All right, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. And we're going to talk. I was actually going to preach this sermon this morning, but then I decided to go with what I had, what I preached this morning. That's all. Chapter 6 is where we're going to start. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's all stand in honor of God's Word. We're going to read the first 10 verses. And it's kind of a little bit like what Lindsay said, and even what uh, Anita said. You gotta, you gotta keep pushing through, you know. And uh, sometimes it's not easy to keep doing what God wants us to do, but we have to keep pushing through. And then when you get through, on the other end, you're like, "Wow, I made it! Thank you!" And so let's let's read tonight. We're going to begin reading with verse one. Go to through verse ten. As God's fellow workers, we're workers. You know, workers do something. We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance and troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, and hard work, sleepless nights, there you go, Anita, and hunger, impurity, understanding, patience, impurity. Did I say that twice? I'm reading that, I'm reading that twice. So I didn't mean to. And kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. In truthful speech and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report. Genuine yet regarded as impostors. Known yet regarded as unknown. Dying and yet we live on. Beaten and yet not killed. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Poor yet making many rich. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. This is a great scripture. If you're discouraged, this might discourage you some more. And yet, it encourage you, encourages you as well. And so, we're going to listen to what the word has to say for just a moment. Let's pray. Lord, in these next moments, just encourage our hearts. Help us to keep going. Help us not to give up. Father, help us to keep being the workers that you have called us to be. And help your grace in us and your Holy Spirit in us not be given to us in vain. Father, you have given us purpose. Our lives, every one of our lives has purpose. And so, Father, help us to find it and live it out. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, It is sometimes a labor to be part of what God has called us to do. Uh, and especially parents might understand this. Uh, sometimes when just getting to church is a job. Just getting here is a job. And, and, I, and I was thinking about this this week. As, and I know that we're talking about revival and things like that. I understand that sometimes this week it might be a job to get here. And I was telling you this morning, uh, you know, we, we had four little kids. And, and there is not a scenario that you can come up with that our kids have not pulled on us right before we got ready to go to church. 
And I can remember we, we had kids back in the day and it was funny because one of Lacey's pulled the same thing on her this week uh, when they were at the craft show or whatever. But they'll be sitting there and we would have them in these little frilly dresses in them seats, you know, that had the handle on them, you know, that you put in a car. And you'd see them and they'd go, and they'd get a little bead of sweat on their forehead and they'd poop right up their back and ruin their dress. And then you had to change everything. Is everybody, anybody that had that happen? Yeah, amen. That, that's kind of, we've had them. We've had them. They were all standing there. One of them leaves for a second and comes back and his face is just covered in blood. I still don't know what happened to him. Still don't know what happened. No matter what you can think of, our kids, that has happened. And on Sunday morning, when we pray before church, we pray for families that are getting ready. Okay, because it's a it's a job sometimes. It's just work. And I believe and, and I believe in this. I believe Satan throws everything he can at young families while they're getting ready. I believe that he does. And on nights and days and Sunday mornings and stuff, if you think of people that you have at church, you, you need to be praying for them that God's going to help them to get through that. Okay, and, and, it's, and it's work. Sometimes it's work to get here. And, and you need to be praying for your Sunday school teachers. It's work to be a Sunday school teacher, especially a kid Sunday school teacher. If you've got a kid and they have a Sunday school teacher, you ought to hug that teacher's neck every Sunday for putting up with your kid because it's hard sometimes. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I think they want to just, after Sunday school, just leave and walk out the door and never come back. But it's hard. It's work sometimes. And so anything that you do in church is hard and it's a labor. And Paul talks about labor and he says that we are workers together. And he said, but we did not receive this grace in vain. And Paul is saying that we are not called to receive this grace. We're not called to receive the work of God in our heart. We're not called to receive the Holy Spirit in our life for no purpose and no reason. It would be in vain if God said, here's my spirit, here's the grace that I give to you, I give you the forgiveness of sin, I place my Holy Spirit in you, and I'm just going to set you on a shelf and look at you. That would be in vain. And God does not do that in any one of our lives. He doesn't want to do that in any one of our lives. God has saved you to be used by him. He did not save you to save your sorry hide just so that you would not have to go to hell. He saved you to go out and to spread his news so that others could have the same thing that God has done for all of us. He has saved us to save others. He has saved us to impart what it says. It says that he has saved us. He says, Paul says that God's grace, if you look in the Amplified Bible, it says his merciful kindness that God uses to influence souls to turn to Christ. So God has placed this grace within you. He's placed his merciful kindness inside of each one of the believers to influence others to turn to him. That's why it's there for. It's not just for you to enjoy. It's not for you just to say, well, I'm saved. Praise God. I'm just ready and waiting to go to heaven. That is not what you're saved for. That's part of what you're saved for. But he's saved you so that you could be a influence so that others could come to know who Jesus Christ is. If you're not influencing others positively, positively, well, if you're not been a good influence, it's in vain. 
If you're not a good influence on others and influencing others to follow Christ, do you know that his grace has been given to you in vain? That'd be like someone giving you, that'd be like someone, that'd be like uh, Webster Electric coming out and hooking your house up with electricity and you never running any electricity. It'd be ridiculous. Well, have you got electricity at your house? Yeah. You ever use it? No. Never turn on a light. We never run the electricity. We never turn on the air conditioner. We ne- Why do you have electricity? Uh, well, I don't know, you know. That would be in vain. That would be ridiculous. I have the grace of God in me. I have his Holy Spirit in me. You ever share it with anybody else? No way. Mm-mm. That's in vain. And God has not called us to have his spirit in vain. He has called us to be a holy influence. He has called us to be uh, used for him. There was a house at the end of the, drive, at the, end of the driveway. Um, when we lived out on Turkey Drive, there was a house out there that looked sort of like a church. And they even put a picture of it in the newspaper and goes, what is this? No one knows what it is. They built this house and they kind of put the side, it wasn't siding, they put that foam board on the outside and that thing is just falling in around. You know what they did? They built that house in vain. It has no use. It's useless. It's worthless. It's been built in vain. And God did not use us and to put us up on a shelf. He's, he's saved us to use, to, to use us. He has saved us to be a, uh, an influence to others. One night we were over here at the, with the little uh, disciple kids. And Brooke was in there. And Brooke was talking about going to school. And uh, at the time, she was kind of having some trouble with math or something, I know it was. And I said, Brooke, you need to know your math. You need to understand that. And Brooke goes, I'm going to be a trophy wife. I don't need those things. And I said, well, you might, you might need those things. No, nope, I'm going to be a trophy wife. She's going to be, and she's going to be. I mean, that's what she wants to be. There's no talking her out of it. And she'll probably, she probably will. But I'm telling you what, God... Does not he might call trophy wives, but God does not call us to be trophy Christians. You know that? He does not call us and put us in some kind of a trophy case and go, look at who I saved. God says, I saved you. Now go and share what you have with someone else. And so he has called us to be used by others. And then he says, don't put any obstructions in anyone's way. Don't do anything that would cause someone to, uh, to uh, have trouble finding who, who I am. We need to all this week do everything we can to remove any obstacles from keeping us from the, from the house of the Lord. Remove any obstacles. If there's something you can do to help your wife, to help your kids, to help your family get here, if there's an obstacle you can remove, move it. Make sure that you're doing everything you can. He says, remove any obstacles that would get out of the way. And then he talks about, in verse 4, he says, this is what to expect. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and and distresses. We commend ourselves. That means that we, uh, we, we, it says we don't put obstacles in our way. We don't commend ourselves. We commend ourselves. What does it say commend means? Commend means to entrust, to charge ourselves to someone else. So what it says that we give ourselves, literally, we give ourselves to God to be used however he wants to. 
We say, God, whatever you want me to do, I am yours. If you want me to go over here and speak to someone, I'm going to do that. If you want me to say something, I'm going to say something. If you want me to go here, I'm going to go there. If you want me to work with this person, I'm going to work with this person. If you want me to talk to this person, I'm going to do that. We commend ourselves and we put ourselves in God's place. So first, we have to understand we're an influence. Second, we don't put any obstacles in our way, in anyone else's way. And third, we give ourselves to him. And he says that we do this with great endurance. It's going to be hard sometimes. We keep commending ourselves to him. We keep giving ourselves to him. And then he says there's going to be tribulation and, 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 and suffering. When we read that, and I, you know, I wonder sometimes, I was telling our Sunday school class this morning, I was watching a TV preacher the other night. I was just flipping through the channels, and this TV preacher was on. And he rolls in there, never opens his Bible, and he comes in telling about how you're going to have everything and every, God's got everything for you and everything's great and, and there's never, never going to be any troubles and never going to be any trials or anything like that. And I thought, what in the world Bible are you reading? Because the New Testament, this is, this is the New Testament. This is to the Corinthian church. This is a real church in a real town with real people. And, God, and, and Paul is saying, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have trials. You're going to have some hard days. There's going to be some things that aren't going to go well in your life. There's going to, if you stand up for God, people aren't going to like you. And I'm going to tell you, that's, uh, and, I, and you know, I told my class this morning, I don't want to be Johnny Raincloud, but that's what, the, that's what the word says. The, the book of Acts is full of it. Look at all Jesus' disciples. None of them had an easy road. None of them were successful at anything except being martyrs, pretty much. They all died for the cause. Anybody want to sign up for that one? Ooh, pick me, pick me. But that's what God said he's called us to. And Paul says it takes endurance and it takes suffering and things don't always go right. But you have to learn through these things. How do you learn to get through suffering? You know what you got to do? You got to suffer. The only way you can learn that God is faithful through suffering is that sometime you're going to go through some suffering. And if you you live long enough, you're going to. I think Marcus and them boys play football, don't they? How'd you learn to play football? You played football, didn't you? You got out there and you practiced football. You don't, you don't practice basketball to learn how to play football. You practice football and you work at it. How do you practice? How do you learn how to get through suffering? You got to suffer. How do you learn patience? You have to go through things that are going to require patience or you're never going to learn it. You say, oh, I just want to learn to suffer, but I don't want to go through suffering. You won't do it. You have to go through it. And this is what a follower does. And you say, well, I don't know if I want to sign up for that. Hey, that's, that's, that's what we do. That's what the church is called to do. So that when we get done, we can stand up like Michael just did and said, hey, I suffered and I made it through it. God was with me. I was out for five months and three weeks and two days and 10 hours. I don't know what it was, but it was five months and something other. And at the end of it, I woke up and God was with me and God got me out of it. And I suffered through the whole thing, but God got me through. Well, see, Michael couldn't learn suffering. I I have no idea what he's talking about, but he did. And he tells us he gets through. And many of you have had a suffering through the loss of a loved one. And you, know, and you know how that feels. And so when someone else loses a loved one, you can come up to them and say, I went through that and I know how that feels. And you can share that with them. 
And you can say, and God was faithful. God was faithful. And so when we do these things and we go through these things, God shows us that. And so that's how we learn is by going through these things and God is faithful. And it is to strengthen our faith. And like the first set, verse first said that when we strengthen our faith, then we become a holy influence. See, we become an influence when we, when we go through these things and we can say, this is what God did for me. This is what God did for me. And not everybody goes through the same things, but everybody can be a holy influence because you've gone through something. Somebody's gone through something. Somebody's lived through something. And each person can say, well, this is what I went through. This is what I went through in my marriage and God helped me through. This is what I went through with my kids and God helped me through. This is what I went through. I lost someone and this is how I went through it. I had a sickness and this is how I made it through. I've lived 90 some hundred years or 90, I'm a hundred years old and God's been faithful to me all the way through the end. Well, how do you know that God can be faithful to somebody that's, how old are you, Rayetta? 84 years old. How do we know that God can be faithful? Mrs. Young, you're older than that, aren't you? And how do we know that God can be faithful? Because somebody had to live through it and said, hey, I made it through. And then they are an influence for him. And that's what God has called us to. And he calls us to that in our home. And he calls us to that in our school. And he calls us to that everywhere we go. He says, I want to read this verse again. In, we urge you, do not receive God's grace in vain. If God has worked in your life, don't let that be a waste don't let that go to waste in your life. You are called to be a holy influence. Do it. Do it. God's called you to, and you need to do it. Let's all stand. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. And Father, you have called each one of us. You have used and moved and, and worked in our lives. Probably everybody here tonight, Father, knows you. And Father, I pray that your grace in the life of the Marshfield Church of the Nazarene would not be in vain in any of us here. Father, I pray that it would not be a waste of your grace on any of our lives. Father, your word says that your grace is to be a holy influence to other souls to know you. And Father, help us to not let your grace be a waste in our life. Help us to make it through tribulations, through trials, through suffering, and help us to be faithful and at the end of it say, God was with me and God has helped me and help us to influence others in a way that would honor you. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word tonight. Father, help us to be what you've called us to be and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. The Lord bless you. Thank you for coming. Yes, sir.